could. Father, we thank you for the way in which you are always faithful to us and that you are the one who, as we come on the back end of a a week filled with uh, adoration, a week filled with um, just confession, a week filled with thanksgiving, a week filled with supplication uh, across our leadership as a church, our leadership as a country, um, the ministries of this church, um, the uh, surrounding Bartlett area, uh, the world as we um, have chosen to strategically reach out to and make disciples of. Father, we thank you that you have taken this week and you have orchestrated it in, in so many different ways and directions, but you've really been really about pursuing each one of us individually and, and calling each one of us to um, a deeper communion with you in a way that would cause us to be able to um, have that be really um, the way in which we um, operate our lives, um, that, that uh, our first step is to go to you um, before decisions are made and as we navigate life and the situations of life, that we um, come before your throne and that we um, are still and that we know that you are God and that you are the one who is um, worthy of all all things, in all places, in all glory. Father, as we come to you this morning, we ask you once again that you would do your surgical work in each of our lives as a result of our time spent here this morning. Father, we know that your word never comes back void, and we ask for the power of your spirit to accomplish that in each one of us today. May as we think about things that matter most, as we look into the fall, into the, the, new, the new year, ministry year, and school year, Father, Call us back to an attention of that, those things that matter most. Father, call us to an attention of the fact that we want to live in communion with you in a way that honors you and glorifies you. Father, help us understand as we go through our time together this, this day the incredible spiritual privileges that we have as a result of being children of God. Father, we thank you that you, would help, that you have um, cho- so chosen to um, adopt us as your children. Father, we look forward with great anticipation, um, knowing that uh, this world is not our home and that we will be forever with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I, uh, I, I just want to make sure that as we think about this day and this, this time, um, we're in our second part of uh, spiritual privileges. Um, and uh, we just look through specific questions here. Um, uh, if you were here last week, uh, can you share a few insights that you learned about both coming to Christ and our union with Christ? Any uh, specific things that you wanted to share if you were here last week? Or if you happened to listen on the web um, to what we covered last week? Any, any thoughts around that? You that were kind of had a chance to kind of look at this uh, ahead of time here in our time together earlier. There was one thing about some of that up. It was it, it was really true, wasn't it? Is like and this whole concept of coming to Him, right, and and coming close to Him, drawing near to to the Lord. Yeah. Other thoughts. Yeah, Connie. Just thinking Christ at a moment in our last of it. A lot of words that I thought about this week were action words. Yeah. Choosing, braving, deciding. Yeah. It, it's like it's action. Yes. It's not just a passive thing that happened one time and went back and let it all. Get Amen. By his spirit, yes, but absolutely, a lot of intentional, yes, yes, exactly, yes, amen, amen, amen. Any other thoughts at all? Okay, um, some of these other questions we're going to actually hit on as we go through our time together, so I'm going to hold on those. Um, we have been in uh, uh, a study of First Peter, and um, we've now moved into chapter 2, and we've been really focused on our past, our, our remembering our anchor. We have such a great salvation, and the components that undergird that, if you would. In chapter 2, we're going through that into verse 10. Right now, we're in verses 4 and 5. Uh, yet to come is how we navigate life really matters, and the Lord will return soon, remembering our future living hope. And how does that actually affect what, uh, how, we, how we live our life here and now? Um, 
So another thing that we looked at is, is, is tied to these spiritual privileges in verses 4 through 10. Um, last week we looked at coming to Christ and our union with Christ. Today I'll be looking at our access to God. Uh, the next two weeks, Dave will um, be looking at these next areas, our security, our affection for Christ, our election by Christ, our dominion with Christ. And then um, the fourth week would be our separation to Christ, kind of separated as unto, um, possession by Christ, uh, our illumination in Christ, our compassion from Christ, and our proclamation of Christ. And talk about how these all together. And what we chose, Dave and I chose to do, is to have one learning objective through these four weeks. And, these, and that learning objective is, is on page, page, uh, uh, page two of, of your handout. Um, before I get to that, let me just quickly cover what I covered last week, which was that um, our coming to Him, we talked about our coming to Him, that it's an ongoing process, it's not an event, it is a, it is a, th- a way we think that we come to Him on a regular basis, and that... Um, uh, he says, Peter says, as to a living stone. And so this living stone, interestingly enough, is about um, this cornerstone that is in place that around which we have to make a conscientious decision to orient our life. It is a, it is a, it is a decision of the heart, and it is one by which we choose to orient around him, not us not him orient around us. And so we said here that as, a, as the cornerstone, he was rejected by men. And we went through history and looked at how he has been rejected. And we looked at, as we were honest with one another last week, we really talked about like how I've rejected him in my own life and how each one of us has and, 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 and how that looks. And, and we talked about the fact that um, there's always a flip side in God's economy, isn't there? It's like we looked at Romans 8, 34 and 35. It says you know, that the way the world looks at us is that is that we, we, we are um, you know, sheep to be slaughtered, right? And, and yet it says, but God looks at us as, 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 as His own special separate people who have the ability to have victor- victory no matter what. Um, the, this situation looks like that situation is about God's economy, God's plans, God's winning, God, God chooses to make it all, all work together for good. Our union with Christ was as two living stones, and when we looked at that, what we saw was that um, we as, as believers actually um, are, are making up this spiritual building, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that this week. Um, but as living stones, we saw that um, we, have, uh, we have the ability to orient ourselves around Him. We have a choice as a part of that process, and that he is, he is engaged in each one of our lives to transform us to accomplish that in His timing. Um, so with that, um, as we look at... Um, whoops, let me go back here. Uh, this handout was something that I gave you last week, and we will continue to work on this handout throughout um, the next two weeks after this week. I have asked each one of you to, as we think about going from teaching to training, this is about application. This is about like, okay, as we orient our lives around Christ, how does it make a difference in my life? And as I think personally about like each one of these key areas here, these seven areas, um, I, I, I want to ask you to go and actually read the verses that are next to them. Do not do this in, in, in 10 minutes here and just be done with it, okay? I want you to think deeply about it. I want you to take this and I want you to read the the, the verses that are connected to it. I want you to have an honest conversation with yourself personally about like where I am on this and take the time to do it over the course of the next two weeks. And then, and then really ask yourself the question, like what if, if I'm a four or if I'm a five or I, I, versus a ten or whatever or a nine or eight, like that's the gap that God's trying to ch- change in me. And I, I need to do some things differently. And so what will I choose to do differently? Lay that out personally there on the right-hand side, if you would, as to how God, what God's talking to you about through these four times together. Make sense, everybody? Okay? And, and we may not share the specifics, but we're going to talk at the last about like, what God's doing in this area, these areas in, 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 our, in our personal lives. Okay? Yep. Okay. Um, our learning objective for the two for the four weeks is that we would comprehend the special the, the the precious spiritual privileges we have in Christ, 
so that we would do these things. Grasp, cherish, and savor. Well, last week we talked about what savor looks like. You know, it's like ruminate on, right? <laughs> um, the multifaceted glory of what it means to be called children of the living God. That's what we said last week. And I added one more line on this this week, which is, so that, or therefore, we would become transformed by Him. That's what it's all about. So one that we would be, um, we would savor what it means to be children of the living God through these understanding of spiritual privileges. But number two, that we would be transformed by Him through this study. First um, Peter two four and five says, "And coming to Him as a living stone, rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, and you as living stones." That's what we covered last week. This week we'll cover our being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at this if we can together. Um, I've called this our access to God. Our access to God. He says we are beings built up as a spiritual house. And in the Old Testament economy, uh, God's temple represented His presence. His presence, and it was a temporal, physical, material house. Um, I want you to turn to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, the Old Testament, Second Chronicles. I want to look at chapter seven, and I'd like somebody to read out loud verses one through three. Second Chronicles seven, one through three. Somebody read that out loud. could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Wow. You know, it's one thing to talk about the fact that God's temple and it, it represented His presence and it was a material in the Old Testament. It's another thing to read this, these verses. To, to literally be able to see that after um, Solomon finished praying, which is interesting, right? After he finished praying, the glory of the Lord descended into that place physically. It, it literally, this glory was manifested in this, in this cloud that filled the, filled the Lord's house. And as, as that glory came down, and it filled the entire temple. What was the what what was the just the 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 res, responsive thing that occurs? Worship, worship, bow down, worship, amen. And I suggest that that's what happens when we come into the presence of God. Is is our natural instinct is to bow down and to worship, um, to catch just like Isaiah, right? You know. Catch, catch a view of the, the, the glory of the Lord that he's high and lifted up and that I need to bow down. Um, second, in the, in the New Testament though, believers are, are, quote, being built up as to a spiritual temple. So instead of a physical material temple, now New Testament believers are being built up as to a spiritual temple. And this spiritual temple supersedes any material building. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. <clears throat> Would somebody read verses um, 20 through 22 out loud? Apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus of the corners, whole structure being joined to into a whole also are being uh, by the Spirit. So this Spirit, the Spirit of God, is, uh, is the one doing this um, fitting together, so to speak. Um, if you're if you're the architect and you have this builder doing this building, which is according to this verse, the, the church of the living God, right? Um, and and you and you have you have stones that you're trying to build this building with, and they don't fit. <laughs> what do you do usually? You don't usually throw them out. You, as a builder, craftsman, are going to chisel them in a way, as you see on the top right here. Um, Chisel them down in t- to make them s- fit, and, and 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 make them fit in the master plan that you have for this building, which is a fascinating thing because this stone over here looks very different than this stone over here, doesn't it? 
And God's at work in our lives to do this chiseling process in a way that glorifies Him. And He's at work to do this. But the spiritual temple now is our souls. That's where God has taken up His presence. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that also. Um, If you would um, take a look at uh, 1 Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy 3.15. He says here uh, in, in Hebrews, as living stones. As living stones. So... Uh, some of you got First Timothy three fifteen. Read it out loud. Yep. I love this verse. It's really a description and a declaration of God's perspective of the church, and it is he, uh, uh, Paul calls it the church of the living God, and it is it is us who comprise that building that He is building. And so, um, as living stones, we make up or comprise the church of the living God, and God is working in what we call the present tense, or the eternal now. He's doing that now. He says, are being built up. It is a process that's happening all the time, all the place, all over the world, in here at Bartlett, amongst us. God is at work to build that church up. How is He doing it? Let's turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. <clears throat> Would somebody read verses eleven through thirteen? Ephesians four, eleven through thirteen, out loud. Pastors and teachers for the equipping of the same purpose to the building up of the body of Christ until we and have the knowledge of the Son of God and to the measure and measure which belong of Christ. Okay. So in this verse here we see who he is using. He is using Obviously, the Spirit of God is behind this, but who is He using to do this building? He's using apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. People who have speaking gifts for the purpose of, okay, what, what is He doing? Um, it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And so it is he's using these the, these people with this giftedness to equip the saints in order to serve him uh, so that the body is built up. It's built up. Okay? And and then he goes on to say uh, when will this um, be realized? It's when we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and that we come to a fully complete or mature um, body, man, uh, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So the, the measure of that completion is, is the person of Christ himself. He's the measure of success in this building that God that, God, that the Spirit of God is doing through these individuals who have, who have the teaching, um, who have the speaking gifts in such a way that those people are built up and equipped, brought to full, full completion of their capabilities um, in a way that honors God. And the, the building itself, interestingly enough, if you go on, actually says the building actually then like, like self-matures itself. It's a fascinating thing. It actually like, grows itself from the inside. Um, obviously, the, the Spirit of God is doing it, but, but it, is, it, is, it is a growing um, organism. It is not, is not like you know, this you know, building that doesn't have life in it. Yeah. Mark, that, that oneness that you're talking about that comes out of you, that's why I think in our world... You know, doctrine, it's really yeah. not that important. That's that's the whole pitfall. Amen. Thing. You're not ever going to get that maturity all over far yep. because they're not built. Amen. Them. I can't I can't say it say it say it more power more more eloquently than you did. I mean, Ephesians, Paul says it in Ephesians 2:20. He says, "Built on the foundation of the of the new of the prophets of the New Testament, right, yeah. and the apostles." Yeah. So yeah. You know, and it goes on as yeah. that. That's what it looks like, that, that foundation. firm foundation. Yes. It's not a wobbly building. It's, yes. It's, it's, to me, that's what the maturity. We are 
firm in what we believe. Yep. Nothing's going to sway us. Nothing, no matter what circumstances happen on the outside of that building. Amen. And, and it really is the outcome of, God, of, of Christ's you know, promise, right? He says, I will build my church. I will do that. I will do it in every place I decide to. And that whole, whole building, eternally, worldwide, through all time, is my precious bride, of which I, I paid my own blood for. That's how important it is to him. And, you know, the last, verse 16 is, is the whole point there in, verse, in Ephesians 4. It says, um, according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Building up of itself in love. Amen. Um, well, when we think about this holy priesthood, you know, when we talk about uh, access, our access to God, I'm going to talk today about two dimensions of this. One, what does it mean to be a New Testament priest and a part of the priesthood of believers? Okay. And number two, I'm going to talk about, um, um, uh, and actually kind of brainstorm about it, like, what, like, like, what, what kind of sacrifices are spiritual sacrifices? Um, I mean, how do I know what those are? Because according to the scripture here, we've actually been created individually as believers in Christ for the purpose of offering spiritual sacrifices. So my goodness, if I or you don't know what those are, you think we're like being successful? No, we're not. So that's my goal today. Okay, is to talk about what does it mean to be a New Testament priest of the, of the priesthood of the New Testament versus the Old Testament. And number two is like, what are some examples of in the scriptures that, that come our way as to what does it mean to offer a spiritual sacrifice? How is it done? To whom, how, to whom is it done? Uh, and, and, and how would I know it in my life when I lay my head on my pillow tonight? Did I do that? And did I do it well? Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. Yep. So I, I, I took two slides here. There's a front and back. And um, I, I, I went through this, and I'm going to give you six parallels to the Old Testament of New Testament priests. Okay? Ready? All right. First one, and due to time, I'm not going to go through the Old Testament passages and not going to go through all the New Testament passages. But the first one uh, of parallel from the Old Testament is that God sovereignly chose his priests to serve. Who did he choose in the Old Testament to serve? The Levitical priesthood, which came from the order of Levi and Aaron, right? Okay, so that was that was. I mean, did I have a did I have influence in the fact that I was like born a Levite? No, God sovereignly chose that I would be in that lineage because I was born into it. Okay, and so. As we think about the, the insight for our lives is we have this priesthood only because he chose us before the foundation of the world. I can't tell you why, why God um, elected my soul to be his forever. I don't know. I don't know why. But he did. And that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Turn with me to John fifteen sixteen. John fifteen sixteen. Somebody will read that out loud. Amen. He chose us. We did not choose him at all. First Corinthians one twenty six. He says, "God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise." Been a long time since you've meditated on being a foolish thing, huh? I think I think we need more more meditation around that um, foolish thing of this world to just, to, to shame the wise. So. Um, just like priests in the Old Testament, God shows us to be a spiritual priesthood from among the no, no, ignoble, the weak, and the despised sinners. Um, why? I have no idea. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No. I mean, look at Malachi, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. 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 So, actually, that's going to be one of the ones we're going to talk about here. So, first of all, he sovereignly chose us to be his priests. Uh, I don't know about you, but it, it takes me to a place um, that uh, honors God. Um, second is God cleansed his priests from sin. God cleansed his pure priests from sin. Uh, when you think about 
the animal sacrifice, that's how he used it there. Um, 1 John 1.7, most of you know that, right? If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from every unrighteousness that exists. And, and so it really takes us to a place of, yes, declared, but now intimate. And how do I go to and live in a place of intimacy? Were you going to say something? I'm sorry. Um, how do I live in a place of intimacy? God's, God did that with the, um, through Jesus with his, his blood. But the cool thing now is that he's doing it on a regular basis in my life through the, through the sanctification process, through his spirit and his word. And, uh, um, you know, I, the, the verse I, I just I love is, is this um, Revelation 1.5. He says, um, I'll just read it for you. He says, And from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, here it is, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Amen. My question for you on this particular point is, you know, am I living in a place of, of being able to see my need for, for confession? Am I living in a place in my life where I'm seeing my need to be dependent on Him, not independent from Him? Am I, am I living my life in a way that allows me to have uh, the decisions of my heart front and center and capable of other people seeing those at any given time? Am I honest, am I honest about who I am before the Lord? Um, and I am, am I open with those around me in community such that I ask them for prayer for things that matter most. He's cleansed us from our sin before their service. Third one here is he clothed his priest for service. He clothed his priest for service. You know, and again, this is yes, we, we all nod our head about the fact that we think about Zechariah and how God you know put on him on him what you know the um, on uh, on on the high priest uh, his clothing right remember that in thank you he remember that in in in, uh, in our study of the prophets right is he put he put his clo- his robe on him his robe was perfect his his other robe was smeared with excrement right and that's us and yet he has done this the, the thing I wanted to focus on for us though as believers is a different question which is am I in the process of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ Romans thirteen fourteen, he says, "Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and by it make no provision for what, the flesh in my life. Make no provision for the flesh in my life. That's what I want us to consider there. God clothed his priests for service. Next is that God anointed his priests for service. He anointed his priests for service. He anointed his priests for service. When you think about this anointing, um, we have been." Um, as New Testament believers, we've received uh, this divine anointing of the Spirit of God in our life. Just like the Old Testament's, uh, believe, uh, Testament uh, priests did for service. And God has anointed us with the power and authority of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, we can enter into His presence at any time whatsoever. And my, and my real question on this one um, is, you know... It, 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 you know, when we talked about the beginning of verse 4, he says, um, and coming to him, right? And, and, and my question here for me personally is, am I, am I living my life in a place where I am, all, I am in the process of coming to him regularly? Not as a point in time, but a regular thing. Am I doing that um, there? God anointed his priest for service. Next one is God prepared his priest for service. <sighs> God prepared His priests for service. It's amazing throughout all of the Old Testament and the New Testament that when God calls somebody to His to to serve Him, He prepares them for it beforehand. And we should not short circuit that process. And we do not know when that service is going to be called to attention. And so why do we not think that the circumstances and situations of my life right now are in that preparation mode? for a time that he has yet to come. Think about when Paul became a believer in Christ. What happened? Where did he go? Did he go right into service and ministry? No. He, he went to the backside of the desert. <laughs> because God had some work to do in him. 
And, and I think that's what God's doing in our lives. You know, that's why Paul says to Timothy, do not lay hands on too quickly in service. Let God be God and do His work and then go to ministry. And so many times, each of us in this room are, um, want to short circuit that process because somehow we think we're ready. We are not ready until God says we're ready. And so, understand that God is in that preparation process in our life. I don't know where that service is. I'm not only talking about service in the church. Okay, I'm talking about service in my ability to perform what God wants me to do in His plan for my life, which is a bigger issue than just my ministry here at church. It's a bigger, bigger issue. And He's at work doing that right now. How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. Step yep. out and Amen. So you have that Step out in faith. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, the last one here is that God called His priests to full obedience in their service. To full obedience in their service. You think of Aaron's sons, right? Who, who, uh, who, um, who were killed, right? Because they gave strange fire. I don't know what that was exactly, but they did it, and they weren't obedient. I think of uh, you know uh, Cain, right? Um, same situation, you know, not obedient fully. And so, as obedient priests, just four things I want to hit on here is that God, obedient priests, as obedient priests, we will do these things. We will walk with God and please God. We will not be conformed to our former lusts. We will have an incredibly high regard for the Word of God, which really was like David's whole point in chapter 2 and the end of chapter 1, is that we will have a craving for the Word of God. And last but not least, we will be ambassadors for Christ. We will be ambassadors for Christ as a result of that. Um, So let me talk a little bit about offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. In the Old Testament, uh, they offered up animal sacrifices. When Jesus inaugurated the New Covenant, animal sacrifices are no longer necessary. They're no longer necessary. Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. Would somebody read that one out loud? Okay, ready to vanish away. Chapter 9, verse 11. Follow along with me. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, He entered the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of of goats and calves, but through His own blood, He entered the holy place once for all. Remember that, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled could sanctify the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through His eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Verse 15. And for this reason... It's this reason we're talking about. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant in order that since a death has taken place under the, uh, taken place for the redemption of transgressions that, that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. What's he saying there in 15? He's saying that because of Jesus' blood, it has a, eternal ramifications to go back in time all the way back to those who believed in Him under the Old Covenant, and His redemption was applied to all those who look forward to Him in faith. And not just there, but it also goes forward and is applied to all those yet to come who believe Him in faith. So, no longer necessary. Once for all. um, Completed. According to Peter, the only sacrifices remaining for the priesthood of believers are to offer spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices. These, like in the Old Testament, are to be, quote, acceptable to God. What does it mean to be acceptable to God, do you think? How, how might these, quote, spiritual sacrifices, whatever they are, right? How might they be acceptable to God, do you think? Yeah. I think of the Old Testament, you could offer a with proper motives. Yep. I could go through yep. the motion. Okay. I think I'm going to earn something more. Yep. I think I'm trying to for a variety of reasons. Yeah, but I could have the right motive and do the wrong thing, right? Okay, it brings him glory. When does it bring him glory? According to being acceptable to God, it's 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 when these three things line up. I call it syzygy. You know what syzygy is? S y z y g y. Write down. S y z y g y. 
SY, ZY, GY. Sizigi. This is a Scrabble game. Okay, Sizigi. You can use this with your friends. Sizigi is when the sun, the moon, and the earth all are in alignment. It happens very rarely. <laughs> okay? So think about it this way. What makes something acceptable to God? It's, it's that they are our best. It is our best. So it's when we do the right thing, the right way, for the right reason. Do the right thing, the right way, for the right reason. That's when syzygy happens. <laughs> but that's when alignment occurs to make something, quote, a good work or, or acceptable God. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah? Because it's kind of what you were saying, Ann. Yeah? Same thing. So we've been created um, to do this. We, we've been created to do it. And it means that we would give God the best we have to offer. And all these offerings must be pure acts of sacrifice, deriving from pure motives and focusing on the pure goal of pleasing God. Pure goal of pleasing God. Everybody got that? Okay. Um, So how how are they to be offered? This is the key thing. It's through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. He alone is our mediator. Without turning to these verses, you know, one of the ones, 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says what? There is one mediator uh, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, right? Okay? So, what are spiritual sacrifices we are to offer now? So, I wanted to, I want to share with you seven different spiritual sacrifices that the scriptures give us here. And uh, I'll go through these, make sure we cover them, and then give you the opportunity to kind of reflect on them through this next week. Because one of my questions to you is going to be, like, how, out of these seven things, you know, day in, day out, like, like, am I offering these in a way, first of all, am I offering these? Number two, am I offering them in a way that pleases God? Right? That's, if we've been created for it, that's what we're here to do. Right? Make sense? Okay? So first one I want to look at is our bodies. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Our bodies. Um, he says, you know, offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. Um, I'll, I'll read it for us here. There, I urge you therefore by... Brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service of worship. It's the, it's the thing that just, like, it's a no-duh. It's a no-duh. Like, he did this for me. My, I'm not my own anymore. I've been bought with a price. I'm going to offer myself. I'm going to offer myself. That's the first no-duh. <laughs> okay? No-duh. So, what does that mean? It's that we represent everything we are as a living sacrifice. This is all of who we are. Our minds, our hearts, our outside, our internal. Um, everything can either be an instrument of sin or an instrument of holiness, according to Romans 6, right? Instrument of sin or instrument of holiness. My question to us today is like, which one am I, which one is, is it for me? You know, is my mind an instrument that's being used by God for His glory? Or is it not? Is my body, is my mouth, my tongue, all the things that I, who I am? Second one is our praise and worship. Our praise and worship. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, Through Him then, Christ, let us then continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. So, our praise, our, the fruit of our lips, that do one of two things, either speak to others about who God is in our life and therefore raise their idea of who God is at that moment in their life or my speaking of, of worship and pray you know, to God directly, lifting Him up, acknowledging, adoring Him, right, as part of our acts component for our prayer, right? That's both. It's both those things. So praise not always, but most of the time, is about declaring God's character, His, his uh, attributes, His actions to other people. Worship is much more about declaring such back to Him directly. Okay, So, um, our praise, our worship, um, declaring God's glory about who He is 
Um, that is a way that we offer a spiritual sacrifice to God. Okay. Um, next one is uh, our good works. We just talked about this one. You can fill in the blanks that I gave you already. Um, our good works. It is a good thing when we do the right thing, the right way, with the right motive. What, that's what makes it good. That's what makes it good. Hebrews 13, verse 16. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such, quote, sacrifices, God is pleased. So the first one here, doing, uh, good works, is, is the first part of that, that verse, which is doing good. Doing good. Next one I want to hit on is, is sharing. It says our generosity. This is to give up my resources to meet someone else's need. Give up my resources to meet someone else's need. Give up my resources to meet someone else's need. That's how we share. Our resources could be what? What are our resources? Let's talk about this for a second. Time, money, talent, possessions. All those are key things. You know, and, and, I, and I use this picture because I think it speaks so, so well to me is this idea of open hands. It's like I'm not closed in at all. I, I, I want to offer those up to God. They're not mine. I don't own them. I have a completely different perspective on these things now. Um, very different. Yeah. And the next one is our children. No, not our physical children, but our spiritual children. Think about this. How many in here have had the privilege of being able to either, one, lead somebody to Christ, or number two, been involved in their life from a, from a fathering, a mothering, a, a, a parenting, a, 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 you know, um, developing them, mentoring them, uh, uh, counseling them. Um, raise your hand. Okay? Right? So, would you agree with me that those people in your life, like, are, like, super important? Like, critical to, to, to care about and love well? Yeah. Yeah. And according to this, he says, the souls of, of those we have been entrusted with will become the love letters read by all. That's Paul's point in Corinthians. He says, you are our love letter that is written, be, that is written on, the hearts of, uh, on your hearts and, ha- and are now being read by all those around us. That's an amazing thing. That's cool. So, so offering up as a spiritual sacrifice our investment into individuals' lives for the purpose of them growing up in Christ is a key spiritual sacrifice. How cool is that? Okay. Next one is um, our love. Our love. Our love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, I'll read it due to time. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, I love this, these two verses. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God which is a fragrant aroma. A fragrant aroma. Love demonstrated in selfless humility towards one another is well-pleasing to God. He loves us loving others well. It's an amazing thing. Um... The last one here is our prayers. Our prayers are our sacrifices, um, our, our, our spiritual sacrifices to God. Um, turn with me to Revelation. Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. Um, would, uh, would somebody read verses 9 through 11? Revelation 6, 9 through 11 out loud. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then when they were each white robe and told to rest a little while longer, and servants and their brothers should be poor to be killed as they themselves had been. How many of those in this room uh, um, have prayed for um, God to be glorified and justified in a situation? Raise your hand. And um, I would venture to say that most of those 
events or situations or circumstances that you raise your hand on actually are deep, deep, deep things going on in lives, um, most likely. Something that happened that really matters, really matters, um, that we may don't understand completely. Um, but we've come to a conc- either we're in process still on those things or we've come to a conclusion on those things to trust God regardless of knowing how this is going to end up, right? And uh, I, I'm here to say that if God answered that prayer at this point in time in history, then you might have seen that answer. But I'm here also to say that there's a whole bunch of those prayers throughout all of time for those who have been martyred for others that we just don't know why. And those prayers have been kept in God's presence, yet to be answered. If you turn to chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, he says, And another angel came and stood by the altar, holding a golden censer, with much incense, uh, and much incense, incense has, was given to him, that he might add to the, it to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. So I believe with all my heart that those prayers that God has yet not answered are, are there still yet in heaven. And that He at a moment in time with, with this you know, amazing divinely supplied incense is going to say it is time. I will answer these prayers. I will make my name glorified. I will be justified in all the earth. I will answer these prayers. And now my time has come to do that. Um, And that for me is an amazing thing. To know that God answers prayers and that it may not have happened, but there is coming a day when He will. I wanted to read this and then I wanted to close with a song real quick. Um, uh, The Church Father Chrysostom of Constantinople, Constantinople said this about prayer. And I think this is, this is powerful from the standpoint of coming on the backdrop of a week that we've spent together in prayer. He said, The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has, it has bridled the rage of lions, hushed anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven, assuaged diseases, repelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. Prayer is an all-efficient penelope, a treasure undiminished, a mine which is never exhausted, a sky obscured by clouds, a heaven unruffled by the storm. It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. And I would suggest maybe 10,000 blessings. And as a result, I wanted to uh, have us like sing this song when we close here to do just what we just talked about, which is to offer up spiritual blessing, spiritual blessings to God. So if you would sing with me, I'd appreciate it. Um, I know you can do it. Hang on. Oh, my soul, oh, my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, worship Your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me. Let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh His holy name, sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. 
in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your, your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forever the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, worship your His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name, we worship your holy name, I worship your holy name. Connie, would you close us in prayer? Amen. Have a great day. Jail got home yesterday. A little snow out of the car. But he feels pretty good this morning.